Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Plant Profits. I am your host, Vern Davis, and Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. My guest today, I'm real excited uh, to introduce you all uh, today. She has been previously named one of Hot Times 100 Most Influential People in the Cannabis Industry. She is responsible for the day-to-day operations of a 501c3 nonprofit organization, the largest 501c3 nonprofit organization focused on advocacy, education, outreach, as it relates to the social, medical, business, and public policy aspects of the cannabis industry. She is also the CEO and founder of a cannabis brand uh, that is the name of Black Buddha Cannabis, a very busy lady. I want you all to welcome Roz McCarthy to our show today on Plant Profits. Roz, how are you? Good morning. How are you? Doing great. It's good good to see you. I've heard about the things you've been doing. It's, It's wonderful to have you here on the show. And uh, we can talk about it. Yeah, it's nice to be here. It's nice to be here. Thank you so much for the the nice introduction. Uh, I smile and laugh when you talk about it, because six years ago, I was nowhere near cannabis. And so it's just the power what happens. So we we talk about plant profit Um, and the profit is supposed to be the is supposed to be the person that the, the seer that sees the future and can be able to dictate or maybe give us insight on where where we're yeah. going to be going with our life. And um, I had no idea six years ago that I would be here. Yeah, but it happened. It happened, and, right? And, and you have now uh, a journey <laughs> that you can stamp uh, and that actually should benefit many people. Your yeah. journey should benefit many people. And it feels good. Um, Mm -hmm. There's no way, you know, at this point in my life, um, at 52 years old, um, I'm doing things that matter the most to me, that feel good, that feel right. Um, And I'm someone that um, take very serious uh, the level of being able to provide a service and be of service to people. It makes me feel good. This is this is my judge. This is what makes me feel good. I don't know what makes other people feel good, but for me, yeah. Uh, being of service really makes me feel good. And, and of course, you know, we want to make money. We want to take care of our families, but it's a All great place. To right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that is wonderful. Now, where did you get that sense of wanting uh, to make uh, people uh, better and uh, this whole sense of belonging that you bring yeah. people in? Where did, where did that all come from? You know, I think one, I'm a big believer in sun signs. So I'm a Sagittarius and we are these like, we are in my friend group. I am the mm-hmm. nucleus. They call me the Erica, ba- not the, the Erica, ba- Erica Badu, India Ari of the group. And so if you know those, those entertainers, yeah. I'm the person that wants everybody to feel good. Yeah. You know, I want everybody to get along. I'm like, kumbaya, like let's all <laughs> work it out. That is my personality. I'm like, all right. You know, even though I may have a friend in the friend group who is just outrageous, yeah. I still love on that person. And I love them regardless of how outrageous I just take people as they are. Right. And I think that this is just in my personality, but I think also my, in my corporate career, I was in sales and marketing and business development. And I worked for one of the largest pharma companies in the, in the world. And um, I learned about building relationships, about creating um, connections, 
about creating, there's a book called Raving Fans and mm -hmm. it's a great book. It's about how do you create raving fans um, that talk about you in the positive when you're not around, when they, yeah. when they feel a connection to you right. and they feel like, man, like this person, something made me feel good. And I realized that if you want to get to where you want to go, you sometimes have to take the eye out of, or, or take the ego out of your kind of process, take the eye out of team. Cause sometimes we put the eye in, there yeah. is no team. Yeah. And really, put the spotlight on people and being of service to people. I've been successful because I don't focus on myself. I really try to focus on how can I be of service to you? How can I help you? In turn, when I do that, individuals come back and they're like, okay, Roz, thank you so much. Now, how, how can I help you? And you create these memorable experiences that can last you a lifetime. And I, I think, you know, through the course of my corporate experience, people that I've run into, I think that one, I have a name. So Rosalind is an old school name. My, and when I was growing up, my, I, it I, is. My, yeah. yeah. I was like, why you name me this? And, you know, and I was always Roz, like, you know, Rosie, yeah. Roz, you know, always Roz, but I've grown into it. I love my name. And so one, you got a name that people don't forget. Right. It's not a name, it's that when you're in their presence, your energy, what matters the most, right? Oh, absolutely. Now, I, I, absolutely. Now, did, did you have a large family that you had to fight your uh, no. had to fight your way through? I'm the only child. OK. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> my mom said when she had me, she said I was one and done. Yeah. <laughs> I, said, I said, Mama, why we have why you didn't have any more kids? She was like, you was enough, Roz. That was enough. Yeah. Um, God rest her soul. But yes, yeah. I am I'm only child. Um, my father was a graduate from North Carolina A and T. My yeah. mother went to Bennett. Um, yeah. They had me when they were 18. My mom had me when she was 19. Mm -hmm. So again, I grew up with a parent who was still in her teen years um, raising me. Um, but I was raised. My mom was a UPS worker, worked okay. years okay. Um, um, driving trucks for UPS. And she was like, Roz, I want you to think big and dream bigger. Focus on what you want to get done. She was she was a tough mom. I'm not yeah. going to lie. But she was like, I didn't. I couldn't make excuses. I couldn't kind of like, you know, half step it. And if I did, she called me out on it. So as much as I have the piece of me that has a service part, I also have this other piece of me that's all about how do I perform with excellence? How do I create something? You know, how can I be the best that I can be? Um, one of the favorite words that my dad and I, my dad would do these spelling bees with me when I was driving the car with him. He was an insurance um, salesman. Okay. We, we were set. We were so that's where you got that selling. That selling, yeah. Relationship ah, building yeah, yeah. from your dad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when we would drive, he would like you know call out different words, and one of my favorite words he would call out, and I would have to spell, is tenacity. Yeah. And I would have to spell it, um, define it, and use it in a sentence. And if nothing else describes where I am in my life and what I've yeah. been doing over the last six years, it's tenacity. Because yeah. I entered into an industry that I, to be honest with you, I had no idea what I was doing when I first started. I just felt compelled to jump in and figure it out. No, that's that's great. Now, you went to Florida State. 
I went to Florida State. So you, yeah. you decided not to go to HBCU route. I did. Well, I got a scholarship at Florida State. And okay. I ended up going through a summer program called Summer Enrichment Program. Sure. And it was for all, you know, um, it was all minority students who were coming into, into the school. And this is back in 1987. And um, as much as I didn't get the HBCU experience being on campus at FAMU, I was over there enough because if anyone, if you don't know Florida State and FAMU, they're both in, in Tallahassee. Yeah. They're literally right across the track from each other, like yeah. down the street, around the curve, across the track, you're at FAM. So right. FAMU should have got some of my tuition money because I definitely got the FAMU experience, the HBCU experience and enjoy that even though I attended Florida State University. Um, I honestly my four years in school was the best i the best of my whole entire life of that experience um um of being able to um just grow and mature as a woman and yeah that was it yeah no that's that that's great now you you became a chemist you went to you, you got a chemistry degree yeah no i didn't become a chemist i just got a chemistry uh, no degree. right you got a chemistry degree because <laughs> you did I'm not, I'm not a chemist at all. Um, the story behind that, I was a chemical engineer major. Okay. And, and I could not get out of, I couldn't pass Calc 2 to save my life in order to get my engineering degree. And, but I loved chemistry. So I have this sales part of me, but I also have this analytical part of me. Yeah. And I realized that you, um, I'm an extrovert. I uh -huh. hated being in the lab. So whenever you had to be in the lab and do your experiments and watch the time clock and watch, you know, and I hated that, but I love, but I'm analytical in, by nature. And so um, I actually went to go to pharmacy school over at FAM and it was just, okay. the wait to get in was too long. And I just graduated with my chemistry degree and kept it kicking and then and, and went into sales and marketing. So yeah, you did. Business development was a big part of your career. It's, it's a big know? part. Big, I, big part. Yeah. Big part. Well, you know, I, I worked for a company called Maxim Healthcare. It was my first um, opportunity out of out of college, and I actually worked with a young a young man. Um, his name is Tom Lingle. Hey, Tom. Um, and Tom was the the nucleus behind helping me to identify or to really be able to hone in on these skills that I didn't know I had. I didn't know that I had this ability to connect with people. I yeah. didn't know I knew how to sell without being a salesperson. I didn't right. know I knew how to like just deliver and be able to create a business. And so we worked together for almost two years, um, the two of us running a running an office in Sarasota. And, mm -hmm. um, and to this day, he's still a great friend of mine. And that's terrific. You know, yeah, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a great story. That's, that's wonderful. I really appreciate you taking us through the early part, but we're going to take a quick break. Uh, Roz, and when we come back, I really want to dig into all the great work you've done for the last six, last six years. Uh, with this yeah. minorities from medical marijuana, you know, uh, I really want to dig into that. Um, when we get back, our guest today is Roz McCarthy. She is the founder. She's the CEO at minorities for medical marijuana. She's also the CEO of a wonderful brand that I can't wait to talk about in the show today. Black Buddha cannabis. We'll be talking about that. I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of plant profits and we'll be right back. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Hey, welcome back, everyone, uh, to Plant Profits. I'm your host, Vern Davis. Uh, Plant Profits is brought to you today by Protus Global. My guest today is Roz McCarthy. She's the founder and CEO at Minorities for Medical Marijuana. She's the CEO of Black Buddha Cannabis. 
So, Roz, what I promised you, we we get into minorities for medical marijuana. I want to I want to talk about that, but but get me there. Get me from being business development into taking this step into cannabis. Yeah. How did cannabis come into your life? You know, um, I live in Florida. Yeah, and um, so. Prior to entering into the industry, I was a consultant for the American Chamber of Commerce. I was on the board for the California Black Chamber of Commerce, and I was a grant writer and a consultant for a couple of different nonprofits. I've always had this background and foundation in healthcare, right? And cannabis, Mm -hmm. at at the crux of cannabis, when it all gets down, it is medicine. And the conversation about this was all, was, was, growing about medical marijuana programs, right? Mm -hmm. So the state of Florida, the third most populous state in the country has 22 million people. Mm -hmm. And we were in the midst of, of, there were a lot of marketing and campaign around this whole new concept of having a medical marijuana program here in Florida. So I, in my, you know, wisdom and just Googling and my thirst for knowledge, I went and started Googling it because we would see ads on television that talked about, or we not ads on television, but news um, clips that talked about the amendment was going to be on the ballot in November of 2016. So this right. is already, this is like in March, April, I'm seeing this. And so literally I started looking um, at the efficacy of cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, why does it work? My girlfriend was in, um, in, in California. And so she was working a little bit in the industry. So I called her and she was telling me what she was doing and getting me all excited. I started doing more research or what have you. And what I found was the efficacy of cannabis to support cancer patients and also the efficacy of of cannabis to support patients that deal with acute pain, right? Mm -hmm. My son has sickle cell anemia and I'm a sickle cell mom. Okay. For those that don't understand, sickle cell is a a genetic disease that's quite painful and predominantly in the African-American community. So that's sure. one. Okay. I lost my mom in 2005 to breast cancer. Okay. So I was a, um, I took care of my mom for a year before she passed away. And the quality of life um, that she, uh, her quality of life in that last six months was poor. And yeah. the option for cannabis could have been such a, such a difference maker, I think, in my opinion. Okay. And the third thing that a lot of people don't know is that my father... Um, again, the same father who, you know, rode me around in his car when I was, a, I was a little girl talking about, you know, my spelling and understanding yeah. what it takes to, to work hard. He lost his eyesight to glaucoma when he was about 39 years old. So I was still in I was still um, in, in school. I think I was like in maybe high school, middle school when it happened. Uh, my parents were divorced. But a lot of people don't know that my dad lost his eyesight to glaucoma. Okay. So then when I started reading about the efficacy of cannabis with glaucoma, um, I think my father passed away three years after my mom. So I've had a lot of different personal experiences in life that just, I don't know, I just felt compelled. And then one evening I was watching a news 13. They were okay. like, hey, medical marijuana is coming to Florida. Right. So, you know, the, the, the constituents, the voters are going to vote yes for this. I'm like, oh boy. I'm like, where Florida goes, the country goes. I'm like, what about if I created something? I'm like, we need something for the minority community about education, about understanding this plant. And when you think about it, it's such mm-hmm. a hard pull to educate our community 
when it's so hard to square up the fact that you want to say now cannabis is medicine. However, we've had disproportionately impacted areas that have been targeted for this plant and people sent to jail for many, many years that look like you and I. And so what in my in my estimation, it was like I, we need something that's going to like help us to figure this out. And we need something that we can trust. Um, I looked to see if the NAACP was weighing in on it. I looked to see if the Urban League had some type of entity. Some of our, you know, our our more common and more known civil rights and activist organizations were not speaking out on this. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't know, you know, um, it, it was spirit led. Um, just, you know, I've been thinking about it, thinking about it. And just one that that one day when I saw that news thing, I felt my mom's spirit said, listen, honey, you either going to do it, get off your butt and get it done or stop uh -huh. thinking about it. Stop, stop uh, talking about it. Yeah. I got up, went to my desk and I started researching, Googling names or what have you. And the marketing branding background of me said, call it what it is, Roz. If you in 20 years need to find grant money to support your nonprofit, what are you, how are you going to describe yourself? Because right. It's a you know, great way of looking at it. Yeah. Right, it's a great right? way. Yeah. And so I said, so I was like, it's minorities. I'm a minority. And, uh -huh. and again, you know, not in regards to how I feel, um, you know, it's just from a, from a, you know, from a percentage of the population, from everything, from healthcare access. And then it was for medical marijuana. I called yeah. it what it is. It was medical marijuana programs. I looked it up. The name was available. I, I bought the domain name. I bought, you know, I, I, I went in GoDaddy. I started building out a website. And then 48 hours, I had a website, a name, and I registered the business. And, and I did it as a nonprofit because I didn't know what type of, I knew that I wanted to make this community-oriented, service-oriented, and I had no idea about where I want to be on the for-profit side. So I figured, let me start here. I'll start with a nonprofit. Yeah. Make it membership based, like mm -hmm. like the chamber, right? The chamber's mm -hmm. membership based. Yeah. Make it membership based for people that want to be members. But I would create this entity that would communicate with my community about the legalization of cannabis. How did you activate it? How did you activate it? How, so so you got you got this business, but it's a great yeah. idea. It's a thought. Yeah. But how yeah, did you no, activate no it? Point, right. yeah. Well, you know what? So so activation starts with one, the idea, and then you got to bring it to, you have to bring the, the idea and bring it to reality. You have to execute, right? So yeah. execution nowadays, I just have this conversation. Sometimes it's perception versus reality. Yeah. Sometimes you have to make it look like you're doing more than what you're actually doing, right? So what I did was even creating a website gave me web presence. Yeah, so if right. I were to come to you and I would say, hey, let me tell you about my organization. The first thing you're going to say is, well, give me your website. Let me check you out. Right. So that was the first thing that I did, creating, you know, getting the getting the nonprofit um, registered with the state of Florida as okay. a business. Right. Um, getting my business cards. And then I called on, you know, I knew that there was a lot of people working on this in Florida and just my own just background. Um, and I was I have I'm good friends with a gentleman who we call like he's the godfather of politics in the central Florida. His name yeah. is Dick Bachelor. And I called on Dick and I knew Dick from the chamber days. Right. Okay. And I called him. I said, Dick, I need to meet with you. And I went into his office and I met with him 
And I said, let me tell you what I'm doing. And I said, I need help. I need to get with, and, it, and there's a organization that was, was the organization that was pushing legalization. And I want to connect with them because I want to say, listen, I need funding. I can help you with outreach. I can help you with marketing and getting people out to vote for my community. Because the, ver- the first thing was, this was in March of 20, 2016. The first thing was to get our community to know that there was going to be an initiative on the ballot in order to vote for this amendment. And okay. I felt like we need to have people go in our community to say, yes, vote yes on amendment two. And so I'd worked with Dick on a, another project. Um, and so I went to him and I said, listen, I need to get connected. And so he gave me the name of the person. He gave me that person's email. He said, Roz, when you email them, you let them know that I referred you over there. And that did the trick. When they I did, did that, yeah, yeah, it didn't give me any money, right? But right. what they did was they said, hey, we have Leafly coming to Florida and they're going to be interviewing us. And how about if we put your logo and mind you, I made my own logo. Like right. I don't know how I did that. They were like, well, how about if we put your logo on our website, you put and then you can put our logo on your website. And when they come to do the interview, we'll send them over for them to interview you as well. And Leafly is a very well-known cannabis publication that people go to as for reference and as a resource. And when I hit Leafly and the story came out in Leafly, that's what legitimized or really helped to open up the doors that like, this is a real thing. Like I can really build this out. Hmm. Because back in 2016, social equity was just being being announced. Talked about, yeah. It was just being talked about, yeah. Exactly. Diversity, equity, and inclusion was not like a priority. Um, people were just like scrambling for licenses. Yeah. And so I was right there at the at the beginning of when this whole conversation about equity, inclusion, was that look like? Um, even having to, to tell people like our opportunity for equity and inclusion, it hasn't just started with cannabis. We are having access to doctors is an issue of, of, of inclusion and equity. Health equity is an, is an issue. Um, you know, banking access for black owned businesses is yeah. an issue. This ain't the first time that we're talking about these issues in cannabis. Now, these are issues that have been in our community for years and years and years. So how do we do a better job in cannabis to create more access to and especially because cannabis really legalization wise is built on the back of black and brown people who've been disproportionately impacted and arrested due to possession, simple possession. If I have a right. joint and a counter and a white woman has a joint, my process going through the um, law enforcement might in that experience could be so much different than my counterpart just based on skin color. And we knew this. We know this now. Right. So for me, it was just a, a matter of how do we shed a light on that and how do we like, you know, have conversation and just be real about it. And, yeah. And it took that, off from there. That is, is great. So. That was then. Now here we are. Now so here we are. Give us a summary of what the organization is about now, where you are, some of the accomplishments, and what and the look forward. Yeah, absolutely. So the organization now, six years later, we have twenty-seven chapters throughout the country. Okay. We have three international chapters. We have one in Toronto, one in uh, in, in Jamaica, and one in the UK. We have two HBCU chapters of the organization. Okay. Um, we are literally the largest community-based organization, nonprofit, that focuses on communities of color mm-hmm. providing advocacy, education, mm-hmm. outreach, training. Um, we're very specific. 
in the areas that we focus on, social justice, social equity, health equity, and public policy. Public policy is really, really important because we as a community, we as um, individuals coming from black and brown communities, we don't understand the power of policy. If you can get policy implemented, created, that's gonna support our agenda, our initiatives, the things that we need, it will help us from a building, from a, a, a business building perspective, from a capacity building perspective, from an ownership perspective. Policy is where it's at. And we don't, and we don't even understand that. I think we do, but just if you're not in the middle of it all, and that's what happened with cannabis, I became a, a, an advocate. I had to go to Tallahassee, which is the state capital of Florida, Florida yeah. and advocate for yeah, for us to have policy that was going to include us in this whole entire multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah, how did that work out for you? Well, the first year, so 2016, November 3rd, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken, state of Florida passed by 67%. The next year, 2017, come um, February, legislative session for Florida opened up. We went to work. I didn't have any money. I was living off of my own. I, I put everything I had into the organization. Um, I had a board chair, Eric Range. Shout out to Eric. He was, we we drove up and down the highway to Tallahassee, a four hour drive, sometimes in the same day to go advocate and to go introduce ourselves to our lawmakers, especially the black caucus members to say, listen, they're creating the policy around the medical marijuana program. We need to be included. So the first year we were able to put into law, we were able to help facilitate that every operator in Florida who applies for a license and renews for a license has to have a diversity plan and a community impact plan included in their application and acted upon. Okay. And that was because of the ideas that we came up with. And I pull those ideas from states like Ohio, like Pennsylvania, who had mm -hmm. already done it. And I just took the policy that was already in place in another state, basically transfer that over to Florida and said, hey, Senator Rousson, mm -hmm. hey, Senator Powell, look at this policy. How can we get this integrated? And um, and, the, and our folks, they, they did. They, they came. They showed up. They support it mm -hmm. and we're able to get great, some good policy in. It's not the end all be all policy. It needs to be refined. It needs to be reworked. It needs to be improved upon. But the state of Florida out the gate had a diversity, equity and inclusion policy. But I think if we were not around, wouldn't have been there. No, I totally understand. And um, I get that. And you're right. And you guys have been successful and that there's a reason you've been sustained. And uh, we, we're going to need that kind of help uh, across the country. And it's wonderful that your chapters are spread out and you, you have that reach and that connectivity. We're going to come right back. We're going to take a quick break. My guest today is Roz McCarthy. Roz is the founder and CEO of Minorities for Medical Marijuana. She is also the CEO of Black Buddha Cannabis. And when we get back, Roz, we're going to talk about Black Buddha Cannabis. Thank you. Plant profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Hey, welcome back, everyone. I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profit. My guest today is Roz McCarthy. She's the founder, uh, CEO at Minorities for Medical Marijuana. And, you know, after six years 
in the grind, she decided to to uh, <laughs> do something a little different. Yes. And uh, she created this business and this brand called Black Buddha Cannabis. She's CEO and founder of Black Buddha Cannabis. So how did this come about? Well, you know, one, I, let me give a piece of advice to all of your uh, your listeners and followers out there. And yeah. one, normally you don't start a nonprofit. You normally start a for-profit first and then you start a nonprofit because you take the profits from your for-profit to do all of your community and service work. Well, I did it backwards because I didn't know exactly where I want to be in the ecosystem of cannabis from a business yeah. perspective. And yeah. to be honest with you, last year, I didn't know. It, it, it wasn't until um, June of 2021 Okay. I was in a car, I, I was in a car a crash, and I suffered a concussion. That was a with bad crash. crash. It was a it was, it was not as bad as I thought. It was it was bad, but I didn't think it was that bad. But yeah. it turned out to be a lot worse than what I thought it was. Okay. And I was and I was diagnosed with a traumatic brain injury, and um, and with that traumatic brain injury, um, I ended up basically, um, was incapacitated for almost four to six weeks. Um, and what I mean by that is I had about four episodes where I passed out in public, okay. where, you know, it was just, it was pretty rough. Um, I had to have a caregiver come live with me after the third, after the fourth time. Um, my doctor said that I didn't need to drive. I couldn't drive for a while. Right. And that basically I was suffering from concussion, post-concussion syndrome. I was disoriented. I was nauseated. I, it was like vertigo times 10, um, I was sensitive to light, sensitive to noise, um, literally couldn't walk off balance. Um, my head was swimming all day long. Like I couldn't, I couldn't focus. I couldn't think. And so I had a great caregiver, Nicole Buffong, who moved in with me to help take care of me because I couldn't take care of myself. I couldn't drive. I mean, it was, it was pretty bad. During that time of healing, um, she utilized, and she's a plant medicine woman. She believes in it, cannabis, everything, from anything that comes from the earth. She's a plant medicine caregiver. Okay. She integrated cannabis into my daily, um, my mm -hmm. daily regimen. CBD around the clock. Um, I vape dry flour. So there's a device called the Da Vinci, and she mm -hmm. would put dry cannabis flour inside of it, just flour, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, it's in a ceramic, and you just you just pull on it's a vape pen, right? Mm -hmm. And I would pull on that whenever those times where my head felt like when I couldn't think because my head was just swimming and I couldn't get my, I just couldn't get it together. And I just felt so disoriented where I needed something that was going to give me some relief. She would have me go and just pull on that. We did this for about three to four weeks nonstop. She changed my eating where she took out all the processed foods in my house. I had mm -hmm. so much crap and she was like, take all, throw all this stuff out, you know? Um, and literally she took care of me and nursed me back to health. Um, I was seeing a therapist that um, taught me about how to center myself, how to, when I felt those moments where I thought I was going to, I felt like I was about to pass out. Right. Basically it was mantras. I had a daily meditation. I had, um, you know, different mantras that I would have to recite. So that's where some of the, again, the brand Black Buddha, it came to existence because after, after I started feeling better and I started getting better, and that was my prayer, I was like, Lord, please help me to feel better. I felt so bad. Once I started feeling better, it was a combination of this 
mantras and meditation and concentration and breathing exercises and cannabis that brought me back to life. It really, like even to this day, I'm still healing. I still have moments where I have episodes and that's what we call it, where I have okay. to breathe. I have to have, I have to recite my mantras. That's the basic basis and the foundation of Buddhism, the religion. I'm not trying to misappropriate the religion because I'm not a Buddhist, but I will tell you this, there are aspects of that religion that brought me back to life. That's, that's, that's a it very makes, interesting story. It makes me want to just tear up now because I was in such a bad place mm -hmm. and I, and I, and I resisted even doing it at first. Cause Nicole would say, listen, your therapist said you, you got, you got to do this. And I would, I would resist. I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. And finally I gave in. And when I finally started giving in and allowing her to sit and help me to understand how to meditate, how to speak to myself, how to talk to my brain, how to take a minute and have breathing exercises. So the way that I combat my episodes that I still have to this day, even sometimes if I'm driving, I'll get them. Like it's over sensory. Like my brain is still healing. And when it, when it's like the sensory load is overstimulating, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's breathing exercises that get me through. And so after coming out of this, I realized like I have um, M for MM, but I don't have a legacy to lead to my kids. And we need to talk about this among women. Mm -hmm. And what can I do? And Black Buddha just came to my, being a Black woman and being a proud Black woman. So mm -hmm. anything, it just came to me. I was like, Black Buddha cannabis. And I'm like, it just all came together. And I said, I wanted to create a brand that was for women, mm -hmm. by women, mm -hmm. environmentally conscious, mm -hmm. social impact driven. And, and going and okay. going state by state mm -hmm. and creating these products that women would gravitate to, but also that were good just in general. They're about healing and about feeling mm -hmm. better and doing better. I, I think cannabis is more than just, hey, I want to get stoned. I want to get high. I just want to I just want to kick it with my friends. Mm -hmm. This plant is medicine. And I will I can tell you firsthand that it saved my life and well, how my Buddha was born. That is that is amazing story of uh, healing that you brought to us here, but it, it, you picked the hardest thing in the world to do, <laughs> you know, build a brand in cannabis right now. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult. Um, but you, you, um, you, you, you brought on a partner. Yeah. 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 Pretty famous dude. <laughs> right? Actor Malik Yoba. Yeah, I did. I did. Well, with Malik, Malik and I have been friends for over 20 something years. So people don't okay. know that. I used to live in Los Angeles when I was married and my kids were born there. And, you know, we had a fabulous life. And Malik was a friend of ours, along with other. There are some other different celebrities that would come to our house and enjoy mm -hmm. just, you know, kind of set times we have people over and and I forgot um well I know how we Malik and I met um but long story short we've been friends for years and um I think he ran to my my ex and was like yeah how's Roz doing and mm -hmm. my ex told him like yeah she's in cannabis and and so he, he was like yeah have her call me and when I told him about my healing my journey the trauma and I told him about the brand and what it meant to me and what we focused on yeah he was like Roz like, where can I come in? How can I help you? What can I do for you? What, how can I support you? And, you know, and Malik is a practicing Buddhist, right? 
And so yeah, I learned that in, in learning about you that he is. Yeah. Yes, he is. So when he told me his story, and then I don't know if you also know this, Malik um, suffered a quadruple bypass. Like he had a, he didn't have a heart attack, but he had a heart episode. They found out that he had issues with his heart. Yeah. So he went through surgery and had a quadruple bypass August of 2021. And he's like, Roz, what saved me after my, my, from my, um, after my healing and, and coming back was mm-hmm. cannabis gummies. He was prescribed gummies to help yeah. him to sleep at night. So he has his own personal story to this plant that we both were healing at the same time and didn't even know it, right? Unbelievable. It, it just felt right, yeah. right? And, yeah. and I love Malik. He's my brother. He's more than just someone a part of the company. He's someone that I trust. We have a relationship, right? right. And so I tell people all the time, you don't know what you're going to do or who you're going to connect with in life and when it may come back full circle. So when you leave these impressions on people, had I not, had I not left an impression on Malik of something of someone that he felt good about, there's no kind of way he would connect himself and his brand to my brand, but I'm so super honored and super um, excited to have him on the team, but to have him as my brother and someone that he knows exactly what the power of this plan is the reminder is, is that cannabis is medicine and we need to look at it that way. Medicine and things that make us feel better is something that resonates with everybody. You don't have to be diagnosed with a certain condition to know that if you ingest this or if you take something, it makes you feel better. And so these are the conversations that he and I have. Um, he's just a super dope person to, to know. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. Now, what type of products have you guys produced? Yeah, and, and so, you produce to go to consumers now. Yeah, so exciting part is uh-huh. that we have we have five states, five okay. states that we are going to first: Ohio, okay. Massachusetts, okay. Ohio, Michigan. Mass, yep. Michigan, Michigan uh-huh. California, California, Nevada. Nevada. Why? Why? So why those states specifically? Those states? Uh-huh. So you know what the part about Black Buddha is about social impact. Uh-huh. Um, we are intentionally going to states where we can connect with social equity operators who can become our par- partner. Okay. So we're not an operator. We don't have a license to operate. You so have remember, a brand. To, you order, just, in order to operate state by state, you have yeah. to have a license to operate and create products. So right. what we're doing is basically it's a licensing deal. Yeah. We're finding an operator in that specific state. Mm-hmm. We're identifying the products that we want to have them create on our behalf. Mm-hmm. We come into an agreement together and then we work together as a team. You know, they do the hands-on. We mm-hmm. do the conceptualizing. We do have um, Crystal Weber is our product formulator, our product officer. So she is someone that knows about formulation of products. So the first product that will be on the shelf in Ohio is our yeah. gummy. Right. The gummies are starting in Ohio. Okay. In Ohio. That's Mm -hmm. my starting point. Um, Then we go into Massachusetts where we'll have gummies. Mm -hmm. We'll have uh, um, bait pens as well as we have something called a pre-pack. The pre-pack is a, is actually a glass chillum. Okay. It is pre-packed with 0.35 grams of flour. Okay. And we call it like, it's a one hitter. One hitter. Yeah. It's the one hitter, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to roll it. It's already mm-hmm. done. You take it out the dupe tube. You light up one end of it. You could take a couple of draws off of it, mm-hmm. throw it back in there and keep it pushing, right? Yeah. We, women will like it. Um, it's recyclable. 
Um, our, our tubes, our packaging is 100% compostable. We're really trying to make sure that we live, um, be very conscious about the environment as well as being social impact driven. So we believe in people over profit. So we're gonna be able to put profit back into people, into organizations that are doing great work like M4MM, but also my goal is to turn other social equity brands on to opportunities and to partners where they can get their product on shelf as well. If I can figure out how to lead the way and figure out how to turn the Rubik's Cube because when I go into Ohio, people know Roz McCarthy, they know M4MM. Mm -hmm. So there's a level of trust and a level of connection. And also my brand resonates with people, right? And so if I'm able to get on, my goal is to come back and reach behind me and bring somebody else on with me. And so we're doing this in state by state by state. Now, every state, we don't have a social equity operator because sometimes it just doesn't happen. But whenever we can, we have connected with operators that are looking like you and I, that mm -hmm. are embracing the fact of working together. We can cooperate together and create such immediate impact and show that in dollars by working together. And that's my goal to show that. So it's exciting. No, oh, that is that is extremely uh, exciting. And thanks for sharing with us today your story. Thank you, uh, it's very powerful. And what you're doing, the work you're doing. Uh, for minorities and uh, for medical marijuana and and this new business that you have created, uh, right? Being the CEO yeah. and founder of Black Buddha Cannabis. And uh, we're looking to see that out in market uh, uh, very, very soon. Very and we're starting in Ohio. Yep, starting in Ohio, the end of May and going into June. And then we go from Ohio and then we have Nevada and Massachusetts. And so it'll be a 12 to 18 month rollout. Yeah. Um, but we think if we do it in a very concise, focused way um, that we can um, really have an impact and be able to, to, um, to deliver um, great products to the community at large. Well, thank you very much, Roz. Thanks for Thanks being for here. Me. And thank you all for joining us here on Plant profits plant profits is brought to you by produce global you can download episodes of plant profits by going to cannabisradio.com or, or wherever you subscribe uh, for your podcast outlets including apple amazon google spotify iHeartRadio, all of those places go to one of those spots download plant profits and look later uh, for this episode with roz mccarthy uh, look forward to uh, you guys picking that up and listening to that. And you can follow Protus Global on LinkedIn, Instagram, all of your social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and learn more about how we're building companies and how we are changing lives at ProtusGlobal.com. That is P-R-O-T-I-S Global.com. Until next time, cheers. Thank you. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.